You're listening to your official ADHA podcast, bringing you an inside look at the latest from ADHA. And now here's your host. Hello, and welcome to another episode of your official ADHA podcast. I'm very excited for today's episode. We have joining us today, Bianca Rogers, who is managing the CDC Tips from Former Smokers campaign for the American Dental Hygienists Association. So Bianca, welcome to the ADHA podcast. Great. Thanks so much, Matt. So Bianca, like I said, is managing this campaign that ADHA is partnering with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on. And we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the campaign and we're actually going to hear Um, Also joining us is a former smoker who is going to provide some tips and some background for you as well. Um, Brett is going to be joining us as well, so you'll hear from him a little bit later in the podcast. But let's kind of get started um, with you, Bianca, and maybe first you could just share with us um, a little bit of background and kind of the, I mean, the big question I have is, is smoking still really a big issue in the United States today? Great. Well, thanks so much, Matt. And I'm excited to be here to talk about this really critical issue, I think, for our field, but just in general for health, uh, population health. So to answer your question, I think in short, yes, this is smoking is still very much an issue in the U.S. today. I think people mistakenly think of smoking as a major issue in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. But in actuality, tobacco use is still currently the leading preventable cause of death and disease in the U.S. Wow. Right. And even though we know that smoking leads to disease and death, we still see 34 million adults smoking in the U.S., And so while, you know, we've seen great improvements of smoking rates um, and we've seen rates dramatically decline, uh, this is still a very prevalent issue, especially in key pockets. Um, But, you know, it's thanks to quit campaigns like the CDC's Tips from Former Smokers um, that individuals have you know, started to receive the resources that they need to start their quit journey. And um, they're really proud to say that over 1 million people have quit smoking because of the campaign. Wow, that's amazing. Um, Yeah, I see the campaign on on TV quite often in the last couple of months. And it's, it's very impactful. I mean, just hearing from former users of tobacco products is is very impactful. In fact, um, I have a seven-year-old son and we were watching, I don't even remember what show we were watching or it might have been a sporting event or something like that. And one of the ads came on and he had a lot of questions about, well, what is wrong with that? Like what happened to that person? And, you know, I explained to him, you know, the 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 background behind what happens and and what potentially had happened with this person. And He's already somebody that, you know, I have to be careful of when I take him someplace where he sees somebody smoking and he says like, oh, don't, that's gross. Smoke. Yeah, I'm like, Shh, Connor, don't say that out loud. Um, so I think, you know, as much as it um, is helping people to quit smoking, obviously prevention is the key here. Um, and I think even for young viewers and young listeners that see and experience and, and, and understand what has happened, it can be very, very impactful. Yeah, and I think, you know, 
what you just described, for example, your son seeing that and asking the questions and asking like, what is the consequences? I think, you know, that's kind of the focal point of CDC tips. And so when this campaign was developed, they did a lot of research to see what would motivate someone to smoke. Because what we knew is that telling people that this could ultimately kill you wasn't necessarily the top key message. People were still smoking. But what smokers said that they really needed to see and hear is what is it like to live with the health consequences of smoking? And that's where really the premise of this tips for informer smokers um, came to fruition. Yeah, isn't that interesting? The concept of what it's like to live with it versus, you know, being more fearful of that than fearful of death. That's that's pretty interesting. Um, so tell me a little bit more about the CDC's tips for former smokers campaign. So what's really exciting is that this year TIP celebrates its 10-year anniversary of running the campaign. Um, and it's really also been the first ever federally paid national tobacco education campaign. So like you said, you've, you've been seeing the commercials um You've been seeing the ads, and that's really because the CDC backed this. They decided, you know, this is a big issue, big topic for individuals in the U.S. And so I think what really is unique about this campaign is, like we've been talking about, it shares the real stories of real people living with smoking-related diseases, including oral health disease. Um, and it also shares the story of caregivers um, and those caring for someone who is living with smoking-related disease. So... Um you know, the, the basis behind this campaign is really hearing from um, from former smokers. And so I'd like at this point to uh, welcome Brett to the podcast. And Brett will be um, sharing a little bit of background about his experiences with tobacco um, and even his connection to the dental world with that. So um, let's turn things over and hear a little bit about Brett's story. Hi, my name is Brett. And I'm a participant in the CDC Tips from Former Smokers campaign. I'd like to take just a moment and then thank the ADHA for inviting me to speak today. Like a lot of people, I started smoking in my teens, mainly to impress a girl. And it's funny because after all of these years, I don't remember her name, but I remember the 30 years of smoking that came immediately after that. Every time I can't quite catch my breath, I remember. Every time I use my mouth in virtually any way at all, I remember because I, I ended up losing a bunch of teeth. And when I was younger, people would tell me the risks. Doctors and dentists and hygienists and even my own mom, who actually happened to be a dentist as well. So they told me it would take years off of my life. But, but I laughed and I said, yeah, but those are the bad years at the end when I'm old. <laughs> but what exactly is old? By the time I was in my early 40s, I had already developed gum diseases and was already starting to lose teeth. And then I lost 16 teeth in one surgery. I still remember just before I went under, the anesthesiologist said to me, you know, this is just the beginning. And I don't really know what he meant by that, 
but I knew that I didn't really care for it that much. But there I was the very next day after losing 16 teeth, I couldn't feel my face, but there I was with my cigarette <laughs> try, trying to smoke. So it was at that point that I knew that I really probably should quit. And I could tell you all about the ways that I tried to quit for so many times, for so many years. It goes all the way back into my 20s when I had a self-hypnosis tape. And I can still remember clearly that I was a tiny diver deep inside of my lungs, scrubbing away at the tar and nicotine. Uh, it didn't help me quit, but it did give me a, an interesting picture to remember for the rest of my life. I'm so grateful for the doctors and dentists and dental hygienists who've helped me get my smile back. And today, I do my best to care for the teeth that I have left because I know that I want to keep them and I want to keep them for as long as possible. I actually see my hygienist every three months now. And I always start with the exact same joke. I always say, well, it's a good thing you don't get paid by the tooth because I wouldn't be worth your time. But, and I realized, I also realized that probably my issues with their smoking related issues probably aren't over in my life. I mean, there's probably more things that are still coming up. As a matter of fact, I'm here today with no bottom partial because I broke it and it's a process to replace it. But it's been 12 years now. And I can say with absolute certainty that life is so much better now that I don't have to constantly think about my next cigarette. I thought smoking defined me, but it doesn't. And it won't just doesn't define you either. After 30 years as a smoker and 12 years as a non-smoker, I'm still me and you'll still be you. Maybe just a slightly healthier version and it's worth it. I'm actually always a, a little embarrassed to tell my story. I mean, it, it's about learning lessons the hard way. And I tell my story with the genuine hope that maybe you or someone you know or love can maybe learn a lesson, but not have to learn it the hard way. So decide to quit. Get the resources you need or call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Thank you so much for the work you do and for letting me share my story today. Brett, thanks very much for sharing that story. I know that uh, many of our listeners, our dental providers, um, can attest to um, hearing similar stories from patients in their chair. So we really appreciate you sharing yours with us and being a part of this campaign. Um, Bianca, let's get back to talking a little bit more about the role that dental hygiene professionals play in tobacco cessation. So can you tell us a little bit about how dental hygienists can play um, an impact in that? Yeah, absolutely. So the reason for um, CDC tips engaging with healthcare providers is so that they can encourage their patients to quit smoking for good. And this includes dental hygienists. And um, ADHA is proud to partner with TIPS because dental hygienists are often the first provider to detect smoking-related disease during that dental visit. As trusted clinicians, um, I think that dental hygienists play a critical role in helping their patients quit smoking. And CDC has made it really easy um, to equip providers with the resources that they need to advise, intervene, and treat their patients on their quit journey. And I also wanted to mention something that, you know, what Brett mentioned during his remarks, as well as um, 
just seeing a few of the other participants' story is one of the common themes or threads throughout is that a lot of former smokers start smoking at a really young age. And so we really want to encourage uh, dental professionals, um, dental hygienists to start these conversations even with their younger patients. Um, we know it's a difficult conversation to have, um, but we feel like there are a lot of great resources out there that include specifics on how to start that conversation and even like uh, examples of questions to ask. Um, and also what you can do if uh, sometimes a patient isn't necessarily ready to have that conversation during this visit, but um, certain steps you can take at the follow-up visit or just to say, I hear you, this, you know, this is what we know about smoking, but when you're ready to talk about it, we can start the conversation again. Yeah, that's a, that's a great um, resource. And so can you tell us where uh, dental hygiene professionals can go to find some of these resources on tobacco cessation? Sure. So the first place is you can visit cdc.gov tips, where there are so many resources on tobacco cessation, both for those who are looking to quit or for those wanting to help someone else quit, like a dental hygiene professional. Because there are so many resources on that website, ADHA has launched their own website, ADHAquittobacco.org, where they pulled the most relevant resources for dental hygiene providers. And on this webpage, you can find fact sheets, handouts for your patients, as well as um, links to local training programs in your area on this topic. Um, and what I like to encourage some of um, providers to do is to um, download some of the stories and videos of participants that are available there, as well as the fact sheets. Um, you can do so digitally or print them out um, and add them to your waiting rooms or on your website. But I think, you know, one of the most important things that we can do is ask the question and really that's kind of our biggest ask is ask your patients, are they smoking? Um, and then using the CDC tips materials, um, you can start the conversation and advise, treat um, patients on to start their qu quit journey. Great resources and great tips. Um, we'll make sure to include those resources and websites in the show notes for all of our listeners so they can easily access those. Um, you know, you mentioned previously the importance of dental hygienists and the role that they play in educating our young uh, children and young people. And it's very interesting. I just recently um, attended a training um, that our State Department of Health provided that was really on um, it was from their Bureau of, of Chronic Disease and Prevention, and it had to do with um, uh, some some of it had to do with smoking, but it was more just overarching tobacco use and the way it's targeted to children. And um, this training actually went through the this exercise where they passed around to the audience. This was pre-COVID um, items that are 
tobacco products and items that are like candy um, that are meant to really look like one another. And there'd be, you know, these side by side comparisons of like, this is a tobacco product. This is a something that you eat that's candy that's both are really marketed to kids. So it's really interesting. And so I, I would encourage people also to reach out to um, many state departments of health have great resources as well, in addition to the CDC and ADHA tips, um, to find those resources and attend some trainings like that to really help better understand um, how do we prevent this from even ever getting into the hands of our young kids. So um, thanks certainly for sharing this and for sharing some of the background on this really great partnership between ADHA and CDC. We have a long-standing relationship with the with the organization, and it's great to see that this is now celebrating 10 years of this um, amazing campaign. Um, Bianca, I think it would be great for you to share with our listeners. Um, you're not a dental hygienist, and most of our guests on the podcast are dental hygienists or dental professionals in some way. Um, so you're a bit unique in that sense, and you have a lot of knowledge about this topic. So could you just maybe share with our listeners a little bit about your background and kind of, you know, how you came about uh, managing this project? Sure. Um, so I started in the dental field. I think a lot of people who aren't clinicians or uh, start in the dental field a little bit randomly. Uh, so at <laughs> my undergrad degree was in health systems management. Um, and we did mm. talk a lot about population health policies and things of that nature. So I had the opportunity through that program to be placed at an internship um, at an organization some of you may have been familiar with, um, Oral Health America, a few years Mm ago. And um, their main focus was connecting individuals with resources to either better educate them on oral health or to increase access to care. And what my role was, um, was to increase our advocacy around this issue and moving forward policies um, that increase access to health and better education around this topic. And so um, my, you know, over the last few years, I've been working with a lot of stakeholders and organizations in oral health um, because it has become such an important topic to me. I think, you know, I came into this not realizing how much our mouth health affects our overall health. And so I was really excited and passionate about getting out that message to others, uh, particularly to policymakers. And so the role I've been working really a lot in is adding a dental benefit to Medicare, which we know is another critical factor um, in improving health outcomes for individuals. And so, Mm -hmm. like Matt said, um, I'm not coming from this from the clinician standpoint, more so from the policy um, and advocacy standpoint, but um, really have loved this opportunity to work with ADHA and dental hygienists in um, starting these conversations with uh, with their patients and sharing resources. What's really interesting and what I... I love about clinicians is that they have the opportunity to make such a big impact in one individual's lives. And so it's really been um, great to work with people like that. Um, And I I really appreciate all the work that they do um, on an everyday basis. 
So you took kind of the next question right out of my mouth. I was going to ask, what have you enjoyed most about this? But you kind of really covered it. So it's great to hear that you've had such a great experience. Um, And I really appreciate you spending some time with us talking a little bit about this partnership between CDC and ADHA and um, sharing a little bit more about the work. And certainly appreciate Brett sharing his story. um, And thank you for um, giving us some background on this and, and providing some great resources for our dental hygiene colleagues to access and resource. So again, you can access those tips at cdc.gov forward slash tips and adhaquittobacco.org. And we'll include those in the show notes so that you can easily click them and access them. So Bianca, thanks very much for joining us on the ADHA podcast today. I really appreciate you being here. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you all again for listening every week to the official ADHA podcast. And until next week, continue to think outside the box, be comfortable being uncomfortable, and continue to imagine what the future of dental hygiene can look like. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of your official ADHA podcast. Be sure to join us next Tuesday to hear more from the ADHA and their guests.